welcome all of you this morning to the Creating a Prayer Culture for God this Tuesday morning, November the 29th at 6 a.m. Amen. As we all gather together in his name, he is here this morning because two or three of us have gathered together in his name this morning to learn about him, the things that were written for our learning. And we may know that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and be able to to prove that we are born of God because of what the scripture says and be able to prove our love for him because we do his commandments and amen and we obey him and keep his commandments and this is the way amen that children of God should behave brothers and sisters in Christ should behave so father we just thank you this morning as we come together in Jesus name as children of God this morning as children of the promise this morning we are Christ's ambassadors Christians this morning who want to be like Jesus this morning athletes as Paul said we are the beloved of God we are believers oh God hallelujah hallelujah we are the branches because you are the vine oh God and we draw strength from you this morning, Father God. So we just give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We're Abraham's offspring this morning, Lord God. We're Abraham's seed this morning, and the blessings of Abraham are ours too this morning. And so, Father, we just pray this morning that there will come an expansion or an increase or an enlargement even the more, God, hallelujah, of the kingdom of God through this gathering, that this will go out, Lord God, and reach and touch many, many ears and many, many souls and many, many lives that they too, Lord, will have some knowledge of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and what he's doing now as a high priest and a scepter and that it caused many to be convicted. The things that were written for our learning, Lord, let it be for their learning too. Let them hear the word too. As it goes out today, God, let it be in us richly that as we open our mouths and proclaim it, Lord God, that it travels, it has wings, the word goes places and it does not come back void until it do what you please and the purpose for which you sent it. You sent your word to heal our disease and rescue us from destruction this is why Jesus came for the grace and truth to dwell among his people and though they did not recognize him then but they did later God as many today are recognizing you sooner or later than sooner but some are recognizing you sooner than later so let this be the day that many will come into the knowledge of the truth and repent of their sins because you will that all will repent and be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth Lord God that they may have a prepared future for them Lord God that awaits them and we await the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so we love you this morning morning father we confess our love and adoration toward you this day lord god we give you praise we give you glory we give you honor for our salvation for our savior jesus christ who saved us lord we embrace him this morning Lord God, hallelujah, Lord God, and we praise him this morning because he died for our sins on the cross and he rose again, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, the high priest and the sister. So bless your word this morning. Bless us this morning to be partakers of it. Bless us this morning to declare it and to teach it, Lord God, and preach it as you have commanded us, Lord God, as we testify of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead. May his name be glorified. May he be exalted this morning even the more. Lord God, by what we say, what we uh, comment by, let it all bring glory and praise to his holy name. Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, all right, again, like to welcome all of you to the Creating a Prayer Culture for God this morning. I am Pastor Lester Hayes here with my lovely wife, Pastor Sharon Hayes. And we just thank the Lord this morning for those who have joined with us. I think I heard Sister Ann, Pastor Eric, Pastor Phoebe, and someone else came on this morning. But welcome, welcome, welcome. Amen. We give God glory. We give him honor. We give him praise this morning that we are chosen and directed by God to be here, called out and assembled by God to be here. And we have not forsaken the assembly of ourselves together as a man of some is, even though it's virtual, it's still church. 
because the quality of the message, the quality of the word has not changed. It's God's infallible, authentic word of God. It's truth. Amen. It's, it's moral and ethical truth. Amen. It's the highest caliber, the highest standard. It's the purest form. Amen. And it's powerful and quick and sharp than it. Two-edged sword. It cuts asunder between the dividing of soul and spirit and bone and marrow. And it's penetrating the thoughts and intents of the heart of those who have ear to hear this word today. In Jesus' name, we just thank God for it this morning. Thank God for all of you. Again, welcome, welcome, welcome to this Tuesday morning, November the 29th, creating a prayer coach for God. We're going to get into the word this morning, and we're going to pray. We just want a special prayer to go up this morning for Deaconess McNair. She's on her way this morning to have her procedure done, and then Sister King is taking her to make sure she gets there. So we just give God praise going on. We've already sent a prayer to her, that man, to accompany her. And she's having a procedure this morning to get her uh, dialysis started, amen. They're going to put in a port. And we thank God for that successful procedure. And we know what that's about. I have a port myself. And I'll be going on the 2nd of December to have it flushed. And so we know what that's all about. We pray uh, for success and victory for her in the name of Jesus with his stripes. That it's a done deal. He's already healed. And we just thank God for traveling grace and mercy this morning as they go, amen. They'll come back with an even better report this morning. So, amen. All right, then. We're going to get into this lesson. We're in the book of John, 1 John, the fifth chapter. And uh, we've been uh, dealing with verse, uh, we finished verse 17 and part of verse 18. Uh, and we're going to finish that up this morning and move on to verse, four, verse 19, 20, and 21 to finish this chapter. And verse 18, just by way of reflection and review, says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God, precept A says, keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Okay? And it was only that one precept that we dealt with, and it talked about resisting Satan. You know, we got to be able to resist Satan so that we keep ourselves from sinning. And it says, By the new birth and the keeping power of God's Son, is we're able to do that. So that the result is always will be untouched by Satan. If we keep that, keep you know, keep ourselves unspotted. Don't don't deal with his his way of doing things. Stay away from him. Treat ourselves like we are begotten of the Father. This is how we're going to keep ourselves from the wicked one, so he don't touch us. And we went over several scriptures uh, that kind of talked about that. And then we said, verse nineteen says, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. By knowing that you are born of God, or we are born of God, or anybody's born of God, and that the world is under the power of Satan. If that's not very clear to us who live on this planet, who see the things that, that are going on, we cannot attribute that, that God initiated that. Now, God will allow that because man has a choice. And you can, we can choose, mankind can choose, humanity can choose our way out of the clutches, out of the devastation, out of the pitfalls, out of out of the, the, the evil work that's going on that people find themselves more involved in. They're, they're more influenced by those things, those dark things, those evil things, you know, those things that lead to death, you know, that way of the man that seemeth right, but it leads to the way and the path of destruction, meaning death. And we're seeing the sting of that. We're seeing when you engage uh, with Satan and play his little game, you may think it's, 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 it's attention getting and it separation distinguishes you from, from, you know, from anybody else. And it does, but in a negative way. And sometimes the consequence is deadly 
you know, it threatens your life. If it don't threaten you to take it, it'll cause you to lose it. And sometimes it'll cause you to take your own life after you done took life. But the best thing to do is to keep yourself and not even be spotted with that sin. That's all it is. You know, once sin has, has been conceived, then death comes because you're going to sin. And sometimes it's willfully because people choose it. You know, they choose the occult. You know, they, they choose the unknown. They like to explore and experiment with things. They like to call people's bluff. You know, they like to oppose what is good and pleasing in God's sight. Some people are like Judah. They want to prove that he's God, you know, because they don't believe that he's God. You know, I, I remember a long time ago when I first got saved, I thought I could prove who God was to people. And the Lord had to deliver me because I was heading down a path that God did not save me to go down. did convert me to go down. And he said, long as you can defend your confession of who I am, that's far as you need to go. You don't need to go any further than that. You don't need to go above God. God has the power, the wisdom, the knowledge to be able to prove to people who he is himself. You know, and he said, I will prove myself to people. And he's been doing it ever since before the foundation of the world, because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And when God spoke, the spirit of God took the word of God and created what God said. That's how much power he has. The spoken word is the same thing today. When we speak that word today, it goes forth out of our mouth. just like God owns our mouth. He uses our mouth. Our mouth, once they're saved, belongs to God. Every part of our being belongs to God. They use for his glory, for his purpose. Every mouth that's saved belongs to God. For God to use it to declare the good news of the gospel, the preaching of the, 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 the word of God, were commanded and to testify about his son, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of man the Savior of the world, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Testify that he is the one that's going to judge the living and he's judging the dead. And so that's, 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 I'm saved. The, 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 the saints of God that are saved are the mouthpieces, the ambassadors that declare the good news of the gospel. And God has ways of speaking to people himself so you will hear his voice and know his voice. He said, all my sheep know my voice. And another voice, they will not follow. So all those uh, voices out there that's speaking and people are letting Satan use their voice to declare the doctrine of the devil, angels of light who have transformed themselves into angels of light. You know, Satan has that kind of power, but it's not the real true light. It's a form of light that leads to more darkness. And so he says, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. But we're in the world, we're not of the world. That untoward generation that we learned about. People want to please uh, self and man and, and, and have things, versus having God, and they want the gift, but they don't want the gift giver. They want the creation, but they don't want the, the creator. You know, they just want to accumulate a bunch of material stuff that only has a, a temporary value to it. But salvation, you know, it, it, it's unto the end and beyond. It's eternal. And it all begins with us believing. Amen. That we're. We're, we're, we're born of God, you know, that God is the Savior of the world. Once we believe that, the Bible said we will not be condemned, but we will have eternal life, you know. Got to be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Got to be born of the Word and Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And that's a spiritual kingdom first, and then it becomes a physical kingdom because God went away to prepare, and he's coming back, and he's bringing a new Jerusalem with him. But in the, in the meantime, before he, he, he returns, he got to build a new heaven and a new earth. And so in the meantime, now, the plan of salvation is to create 
a, a new culture of believers that will occupy that kingdom and forever be with the Lord. And there will be no end to that kingdom. And so, amen. And so that's kind of what verse 19 is talking about there by knowing that you are born of God and that the world is under the power of Satan. We learned that in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, King James Bible says, hey, you want to know how to keep yourself and not be touched by Satan's power? You know, you, number one, submit yourself to God and resist the devil. And the Bible said he will flee from you. He won't have nothing to do with you when you see that. You know, you know that you're born of God. You know that you're the children of God. Don't mention Jesus' name now. Don't call on Jesus' name now. He can't stand that name. Because he already tried to tempt Jesus, and it didn't work. And so he knows that if he tried to tempt a child of God, it ain't going to work because God tempts no one. He doesn't use evil, nor is he tempted by evil. And the Bible says he knows when you hear that name, you call it on That's your strong tower, and we the righteous run into it, and we are safe. And he knows when that happens, God is going to not put any more on the child of God that he knows we can bear. He's going to wake away for us to escape out of it that we can bear it. Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to Creating a Prayer Culture for God, Prayer Line Live Christian Podcast. We would like to send a special thank you to Anchor Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Podbean, Audible, Player.fm Podcast, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. These are platforms in which you can join in and listen to the message as it goes forth. We just want to thank God for allowing us to be able to share his good news. Uh, So please join us. And now let us get back to the message. God bless. Just hoping that when he attacks, when he goes to and fro seeking and he touches, he tries to get you to sin and he tries to send some high things above the knowledge of who God is. He tries to take the truth and put a little spin on it and twist it a little bit to make it, spruce it up a little bit to make it sound better than what it was and get you to thinking something differently like he did with Eve. And he knows, man, boom, that if you give in and repeat what he said, he got you. But we have to resist him, and we can't do it unless we draw near to God first. All right, so let's pick up verse 20 this morning, amen, uh, in the book of 1 John chapter 5 uh, of the King James Bible. And verse 20 says, and we know that the Son of God is come over 2,000 years ago and has given us an understanding because if we lack it, we ask God for wisdom, but we also ask for understanding because what good is wisdom? If we don't get understanding, there have been a many souls, okay, who have died in ignorance with wisdom because they didn't understand, because they didn't ask God for it. Solomon made that mistake until he asked God to give him, you know, the ability to discern between what is right and wrong. Why is this man in the Bible? Most of his wisdom came by things that he experienced, and some of it was at his peril, cost him in a lot of ways, even though he had 
He was adorned. He was arrayed. He was handsome. He had inherited his father's everything his father had. He was now the king. He was in charge. But what good does it do you if you don't have the wisdom to govern all that that you're in charge of? And when he had this engagement with the Lord, the Lord asked him, what could he do? He had everything else. Perfectly. But he didn't have that connection uh, other than through his father took over the throne. But he, he didn't have that that relationship his father had with God. It was forthcoming. Because the Lord said, David, he's a man after my own heart. Didn't say that about Solomon. But Solomon was the next heir in, 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 in place. And he had everything. He inherited everything. Richest, one of the richest people it was at that time. You know, what What man thinks it's wise to have sex? The wives and 250 concubines and all the idolatry that came with that. That's not wise. But it was like he couldn't help himself, like a lot of people today. Greedy, greed, vanity, you know, they love accumulating things, but not really building the relationship with the one who can give you things. And it wasn't like Solomon did not know about this relationship, the importance of this relationship. It was just that was just so overwhelming what he what he could possess. And people loved the wisdom that he had, but he didn't even realize the power of the wisdom that he had just from experiencing things that he had grew up in his father's house, observing his father. His father had taught him. You read in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 and chapter 4, it talks about my son. His father teaching him, my son, keep this before you. Solomon is doing the same thing with David's grandson, telling him the same thing, but not doing it himself. And there's a lot of folks that lost their life with wisdom and passed it on to others and taught others how to do it, but didn't apply it themselves. Had no character, but demanded character from everybody else. And so we see here, it says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are precept A in him. That is precept B and C true even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the only way you can know. He is the way to truth and the life. There's no other way to get any knowledge from God but through his son, Jesus. We have to acknowledge Jesus. Everything we do, hands do, everything we think or say, ought to be thought of in the context of the name of Jesus. This is why we say in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 of the King James Bible, let this mind that be in Christ Jesus be also in you. You know, so that when we start thinking in our heart, Okay, that's how we become. And we don't put the word of God in our heart, which is the truth, and hide it in our hearts and put wisdom in our innermost being. Remember, the issues of life come out of the heart. And whatever we put in there besides what we're supposed to put in there, that's what we're going to love. That's what we're going to give our affection and attention to. And that's probably what we're going to talk about most of the time. That's why he wants the word of God hidden in our heart. That we don't sin against God. How do we do that? We blaspheme the Holy Ghost because we say something about the Holy Ghost that ain't backed up by the word. We say things about the gospel that ain't in the gospel, ain't supported by the gospel. I was reading a a, a post the other day from a so-called bishop, you know, the so-called state of family member, and just words, all, it seemed like for the last few weeks, just giving words, all this long grown out prophecy but no scripture like they're just the authority and i'm saying why don't you just you know give some scripture let the scripture speak having enough people lost their life based on what we tell them and not what the word is telling them the word is the truth that god wants people to know that will free them and and you know there's three ways i like to speak to people 
communicate with people. I tell them about my experience. I tell them what I know from experience. And I'll tell them what the word of God says. So there are lessons learned from experience. There, 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 there's opinions that we have. They don't mean nothing when you compare them to the word of God. But it seems like we got this thing backwards. We very seldom see a lot of these people with these names and titles. They put the name and title of the, like Paul was telling them on Mars Hill, you got this name of the unknown God. So they put the title of the, like they know what the title authorized them to do. It doesn't authorize you to just make up your own gospel. And just because you say, I'm a pastor so-and-so, and you just start speaking stuff, and never give person uh, that hearing you a scripture reference that they can go to the word of God and verify and confirm that this is the authentic, infallible, authentic word of God. Now that you want them to know that's your word that came from you. And when you start saying, God said, God said, God said, and don't give any scripture to back it up, you ain't the proof. The word is the proof. Where's the word? What are you basing it on? Your title? He goes on to say here, you know, and may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And what this is saying, break it down for you, it says, this is uh, saying, by receiving the spiritual understanding of the wisdom we receive from God that we ask for, that is given by Jesus Christ, written down for our learning. Book of John, chapter 20, verse 31, the King James Bible. We, we studied that. It tells us why this is written down and given to us and left for us. You know, given by Jesus Christ, the inspiration of, of the word, good for doctrine, good for reproof, good for, you know, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that we as men and women of God may be thoroughly furnished and prepared to every good work to know God who is true. It doesn't matter how many prophecies I put out there, my name, my title. It doesn't matter how much stuff I write out there. You know what I'm saying? If it's, if it's not because we know God personally, intimately, and because we know that he's true and the only thing he speaks is truth, moral and ethical truth, highest standard, highest caliber, nothing come out of our mouth can, 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 can handle the force and power of the word of God, the spoken word of God, <clears throat> even the written word of God in his purest form, to know we are in God and in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This this is it. This is how people are going to know. Not because you say so, not because they see your title before they see or hear anything, but to know that eternal life is through God alone, not through you, me, us, our church, our ministry. I don't care what kind of classy name you give it. I don't care how wonderful it sounds. If it ain't based on the word, and, and, and I'm preparing to do a teaching right now on the book of Acts. I'm learning so many things about the book of Acts, and I've read it many a times. But the thing that the light got just got shined, revelation just got shined, is if you want to know how the church, it was intended to function, go to the book of Acts. That's her roots. That's her origin. That's her beginning. I know there was many, many other gatherings prior to that, but when it came down to the church and they were first called Christians, you know, people to be like, be, become like Christ, the apostles of teaching and preaching, is an act. 
And we need to know that conduct. We, we touched on it a little bit uh, Sunday morning. Book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 40, all the way down to the end of the chapter. And it's worth paying another visit to it for all those preachers and teachers out there that want to know how the church is supposed to be conducting herself. Not being treated like some denomination that we came up with that got passed down throughout, throughout, throughout ancestors. We got to go further back than that. We got to go all the way back when he gave the inspired word of God. Saying, this is the tenets and the makeup of my father's kingdom. Teach this, preach this. I'm writing it down for your learning for that reason and that purpose. Don't go outside of it to try to make no case to prove who I am. I'll do that. If you preach and teach my word, sound doctrine, put me in remembrance of it, I watch over my word to perform it. I will bring it to pass. And it will cause demons to tremble. So the church, which is the head of that church is Jesus Christ, not your bishop, not your apostle, not your prophet, not your board of governors or directors, you know, not all this assembly of, of, of conferences and all this. Oh, that's man-made. You won't find that in the Bible. It says that the church, number one, was founded, instituted, functioned because of Jesus, the head of it. He's the head, Jesus Christ. And how it proves that it's his is when it's united. So you can't have 4,400 different denominations and call ourselves the church that represents Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Now, he said there's many members, but he wasn't talking about many denominations, because that means divisions. That's what the word means. That's not what he was talking about. He said there are many members. In other words, when everybody has the gospel of Jesus Christ in common, and that brings them together and rightly, neatly fit them, join them together, because the Holy Spirit is at work. He's the one. The Spirit of God, just like he was in the beginning when God spoke the word, he performed what God said. When the church speaks the word, it performs what God said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. And when God sees unity, it's right there, he commanded blessings, even life forevermore. He said it's got to be like that dude and ointment that was on Aaron's beard. It ran down. The gospel wants to run down from heaven, from Jesus Christ, where it came from. They want to come down and just cover every creature out there until they hear it. Jesus said, I'm not coming back to give my bride. He wanted to come down like rain. He wanted to go out and not return void. So it rightly knit to fit everybody together under that one common umbrella, the truth. He wills that we know the truth and the truth make us free. This is why he prayed in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 17, Father, that you would keep them that you have given to me and keep the ones that you're going to give to give to me through them for yourself, consecrated, separated by the truth. That word is truth. He knew the power of the word. He knew the word when it goes out of his mouth wasn't going to return boy. He knew that the word of God is the power of salvation unto, unto, unto all that believe it. But how can they believe except they preach? This is why he came to get him some apostles and they laid the foundation. They were eyewitnesses. They saw what happened. And then there were 40 so other witnesses who witnessed the resurrection. There was other 500 witnesses who witnessed all of this. It's all written down for our learning. 
what we learned and everything, but what was written down. Therefore, we walk away with no understanding of really what was written because it's not based on the wisdom of the word. God's word is the wisdom of God. Hello. God's word from Genesis to Revelation is the wisdom of God. And if we don't understand it because we didn't ask him for it. We asked for the wisdom, but he said, in all you're getting, get understanding. Why? Application is so important. Why have all these lessons and all these laws and rules and governing uh, of principles of God and don't know how to use them? That's why sometimes people just circumvent it. Oh, it's too complicated. I don't understand these and thou's. I don't understand these words in there, these names. I can't pronounce them names. He didn't tell you that that's where the power was at. He said, believe. But how can you believe except you hear? You got to first come to God and believe that this is God speaking. This is his word. This is how he speaks to us. And he'll shed light on it. He'll bring it to pass. But we got to get it in our hearts and get it in our mouths so we don't sin against God. And if we like understanding, God, give me some understanding of this. I want to understand this. Sometimes we don't spend enough time with it to get to understand it. Sometimes we try to speak so fast and say it so fast because we really don't want people to know that we don't know what we're saying. We're just saying something. The way I learned some of these names that I can't pronounce until I hear them is I get my phone and I put it up and I put it on play and I listen to it over and over again until I can pronounce the name. I don't just run, a, run by it or run away from it. I'm not afraid of the name. It's in there for a reason. Some of these names are Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and, 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 and you know, and, and Chaldean. Some of them have meanings to them. That changes the whole context of the chapter, the verse that you're reading. The chapter before the chapter after, the whole book sometimes is in one name. But he goes on to say that, you know, the church, the head of it is Jesus Christ, and he wants it to be united. This is how it, it represents him in the earth. It's united. And he is the one that builds this house. We can build a lot of buildings, brick and mortar, but he's the one who builds the temple you know, our bodies to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he uses the word to purify, sanctify, and cleanse us up. Uh, in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 21 of the King James Bible, and I want you to think in terms of the church, Jesus Christ being the head of it, and it's united. And how does it become united? We learned in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 7, the King James Bible, God gave us, gave a person to the body of Christ, chosen as a member, adopted him into the family, then the word of God is what's going to keep them because hopefully the word of God is what drew them. Just hide it in your heart that you don't sin against God. David taught us that. We will do that if we don't. Uh, so listen to the book of John, chapter 17, verse 21, King James Bible, where it says, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Sent me to do what? First to be the head of the church. Also to come and introduce the kingdom of God, his methods, his way of doing things, his message, you know, his teaching, his revelations. But they were all over the place with winds of doctrine and talks to and fro before that. Philosophers coming in. Paul said, you know, I didn't come with the excellence of speech. I didn't come with the wisdom of men, wisdom of this world. I didn't come with those philosophies. Wisdom of men. Paul said, hey, I did not come with the excellence of speech, but I came with a demonstration of the spirit and power of God. Now, before I came with a petition from Caesar, 
but I've been converted. Now I come in the power of the Spirit as an ambassador for Christ. Got a new attitude because I got a new life. Old things have passed with old. All things have become new about me. I'm baptized and here with the Holy Ghost. You know, believe that thou hast sent me. You know, with every, without what he's saying here now, this is Jesus talking, that they all may be one. Anybody who comes in contact with the word of God, believe that word, receive that word, converted by that word, generated by that word, set free by that word, standing fast in the living word, Christ made you free. He said, now we can be one, one body, many members, one faith, one baptism, you know, one God, you know, and, and, and continue in the unity of that until we all come into, you know, the virtue, that, that virtual image of Christ. In other words, God, you said, you and me, me and you, and and, and coming up. Now we look like, guess what we're supposed to look like? What's in heaven is what's in the earth. There there are three bearing witness in heaven and three bearing witness in the earth. And once we come into that vertical alignment, the people ain't hearing something different. It ain't coming down from the Father on the in in this earth. But that's the case a lot of times why you have 4,400 different denominations. Mm -hmm. So he says it right there. Believe that thou hast sent me. He ain't sent him to set up some new gospel, some new ministry, some new doctrine. No, he came to bring him back to the teaching that was originally there, the word of God. And he goes on, and that's in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 21, King James Bible. Then he goes on to say in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 5 of King James Bible. But if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Mm. So, you know, he died for a reason. <coughs> okay? He died a physical death so that we could die a spiritual death. And we both were going to experience the resurrection power of God. God raised him up just like he raised us up. So if there's no resurrection, then guess what? what, what, what what's the purpose of being here? Because we all got to die. And we're going to receive the resurrection to life once we die in a different body. If we saved. We're taking off mortality, putting on him mortality, corruption, putting on him corruption. And we're going to be just like him because we're going to see him the way he is. Why? Because we have a different body. We have the same body that he had. A resurrected body. A spiritual body. You know? In the meantime, what we're learning today is how to let this physical man become a spiritual man so that when Christ comes in the spiritual realm, we'll be absent from this physical body, be present with the Lord in the spiritual body. You know, you got cholesterol and you got cholesterol. It's all in the book of First Corinthians chapter 15. So I read in verse 1 and read all the way down to the end. And you'll see it all spelled out exactly what's taking place or going to take place. And so we see it right there. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, yes, we die daily. We continue to do it. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 4, that this is how we identify with him through water baptism. That's that's our version of death. That's our version of getting in the grave, that watery grave. This is why we say baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, because baptism means, it's a Latin word, it means it's total immer- to be totally immersed or submerged. 
In other words, Jesus didn't go part of the way in the tomb. He went all the way in there. He was bombed, wrapped up in clothes, and the tomb was sealed. Yes, sir. And he said, when you go down in your watery grave through baptism, you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the only way you can do it. Go all the way down. Be baptized. These folks sprinkling water on people and not teaching them what's taking place with the three different baptisms according to the scripture. You know, a lot of people perish for lack of knowledge. A lot of folks run around and say, you say, when you, I got baptized when I was sick. Okay. Baptism don't make you saved. It's an outward expression of faith. But all of those who, who witnessed you getting saved and others who didn't, they get to see you being baptized. Hopefully, the preacher that's doing it explains to them what's taking place. So the others who are standing there who have not gotten saved yet will understand me going down in the water don't make me saved. That's what happens after I get saved. And it's not a requirement to get into heaven. It's, it's a good thing to do because it's in the Bible. But it ain't going to get you in or keep you out. Believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is what's going to get you in and being converted and then doing to the end to be saved. Mm -hmm. Water baptism is one of the biblical ordinances and it shouldn't just be omitted if there's no, but if there's no water, how can it be? You know, but if there's water, we shouldn't forbid people that want to be baptized to be baptized. Make sure they say first. All right. So, you know, Book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 5 of the King James Bible, you know, says this, okay, that, you know, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, because in fulfilling all the ordinances of the Bible leading up to it, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You can't have one without the other, even though some people take one and leave the other. This is why we stress for people, you got to have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some folks just say one or two, one over the other. You don't want to hear you make no references to either. It's a lot of time because they don't understand. And they're lazy. They just don't want to. They don't want to know. The right was simple. And, you know, ain't nothing wrong with that. But the Lord said, you like wisdom, get wisdom. Get all of it. Get the whole thing. Eat the whole loaf. Only going to do us good like a mess. Only be good marrow five bones. <laughs> So let's go a little further here in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 4 of the, four of the King James Bible. It says this, Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also, that ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Now, if you remember the body of Christ, you no longer do those ordinances, circumcision, and foreskin and all that. It's now about a work in the heart. You know, some foreskin off the heart, you know, removal. You know, dead by the law, by the body of Christ. So his crucified body, which represents the body of Christ, the church now formed as a result of that. All those who become members of the body of Christ, they believe in the resurrection, death, of Jesus Christ. Okay. That body symbolizes, this symbol symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's the gospel message right there. And that's what authorizes us to assemble ourselves as a body of of Christ with all the different members, but he's still the head. That ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So now if I'm if I'm now adopted in and grafted in, remember the body of Christ, 
other words, the bride of Christ. I become a part of the bride of Christ, you know, and there's just like a marriage now. Okay. We're married to God. He's married to us. I would say he's even married to backsliders who were part of the body and they left. But his covenant, he's a covenant keeping God. This is the covenant. We enter into a covenant with them. That was that's what marriage is about. It's about that agreement. We're agreed to do it his way. The groom is calling the shots for the bride. The bride is helping the groom. She's a, a willing partner in producing the fruit that comes out of this union. It's just like uh, marriage God's way. Well, being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of the bride of Christ is also a marriage with a covenant and an agreement. And there will be fruit produced that be that will be worthy of us being a member of that body. We'll know that, that tree by that fruit. We'll know what comes from Christ. We'll know the character, the characteristics. We'll see the fruit of the Spirit. We'll also see the manifestation of the fruit of the flesh, too. You look over in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 21, all the way through verse 24. It tells you, it lays it out. It says that of the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law against it. Now, there is punishment for the, the fruit of the flesh, Gives you a, a detailed list, and that's not all of them. And it says, for the fruit of the Spirit, it all begins with love. Everything else hangs on love. Operation functions all strength from love. Like that vine in the branch. All those branches hanging down, that low-hanging fruit. You will know the tree by the fruit it bears. If it's of God or if it's of Satan. And he says, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Okay? Only what we do for the Lord, that's what's going to count in the end. Hold duty of a man and conclusion of the matter to fear God and keep his commandments. Well, we want to produce that fruit that's pleasing, that's well pleasing, that fruit that 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 is, is worthy of repentance. Hmm. Let's go a little further before we close. Just a couple more we're going to bring it in. Uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, the King James Bible says this. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Now, harlot here is kind of a word that's saying uh, some, some, some unworthy thing, you know, producing something that's unworthy of, of acceptation. Okay, God wants a certain type of uh, fruit to represent his bride, his people, his church, not just anything. And there are people out there doing anything. They wear anything, they say anything, they, you know, they do anything. And they call themselves, we children, all, you know, all of us children to God. No, we're not. You know the tree by the fruit it bears. You know the fruit too, what tree it came from. If you're a liar, it says you are your father. Who is a liar? The father lied. You know, except all those things that come with lying. Rebellion, witchcraft, astrology. Mm. You know, lust of our pride of life, lust of sex. All those things in the world. Okay? In the world. And, you know, so he says it right there. You know, you, you just how you know. You, you, you're a member of an harlot. We know what a harlot in the natural means. We know what it means in the spirit. Something that's totally defiant, uh, totally opposite of God, totally, you know, cannot pass the smell test per se. You know, it's 
false. This is not real. It's real, but it's not, you know, it's not based, real based on what God said. It's of a different reality. Come from a dark place. That verse, in verse 17 of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. We're going to end right there. It's one spirit. You know, you ain't got to worry about it. It's one spirit, you know. We always say we want to join together with people of like spirit. One spirit. That ask God's spirit. Who rightly fits and neatly joins us together as members of the household of faith. And if he draws us and brings us together, he'll keep us. He'll plant us that we become the planting of the Lord, the tree of righteousness bearing righteous fruit, Isaiah prophesied that. But Father, we thank you this morning. We praise you this morning. Uh, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise uh, for your word this morning, Lord God, that we understand now uh, because of the wisdom that you have imparted to, us this, imparted to us this morning about the body, Jesus Christ being the head of the body. And it's the word of God, the truth that unites us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit who right the fifth and joins us together that we represent you as the body of Christ, the body of believers. So we thank you and we praise you this morning for your word. We thank you for the fruit, Lord God, that shall come forth because of this word. You are the branch, you are the vine, and we are the branches. Now, Lord, let us produce fruit that's worthy of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we may be known as trees of righteousness by the fruit that we bear. Let us not fall far from the tree, but let us draw near God this morning in Jesus' name to you. And we're praying that others right now, Lord God, are coming out of this world, making a decision that they want to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They want to become a member of the body of Christ. God, you've shown them the way this morning. Jesus is that way. There's no other way, even though there are ways in the men that seem right. But they all lead to the way of destruction. So this is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.